Good morning, Shabbat Shalom, and welcome back to our podcast, Four Worlds Torah, digging for treasures in the Torah, treasures that matter for our lives and for the world. I'm Rabbi Shoshana Elis. I'm here with Rabbi Ben Newman and Rabbi Charna Rosenholtz. I hope everyone had a beautiful Thanksgiving, wherever you are, wherever you were. Today, we will be exploring the Torah portion known as Toldot, which literally means our offspring, the stories of our generations, that which comes through each of us in the process of creating. I'd like to begin with you, Rabbi Rosenholtz. Good morning. Thank you. Um, and again, uh, great abundance and gratitude, thanksgiving to each and every person who's listening to this. We wanted to take a look at today at the sentence Genesis 2521. In English, it reads, and Isaac pleaded, prayed to the yud heh vav -Hey principle on behalf of his wife because she was barren. And the yud heh vav -Hey principle responded to his plea and his wife, Rebecca, conceived. Um, there is so much more going on in this sentence that immediately is apparent. The first I want to bring our attention to is the word for prayer. There are various words for prayer that we use, and this one is very rare. It's a very rare appearance, and it has a quality of intense prayer, of supplication. It's prayer that a lot of effort goes into it, and God answers, the yud heh vav -Hey answers Isaac with the same intensity um, uh, because it's using the same word to answer his prayer as it was asked for in the first place. You can see this kind of prayer as a call and a response. Um, Rivka is front and center in this prayer and the fervent way in which Isaac is caring for her is of great note. I just want to mention that there are many barren stories in the Torah of women. Isaac is the only one who actually intercedes in prayer on behalf of his wife. He comes forward with, with this great emotional intensity because he loves her so much. And even though this is 20 years in their text, according to the text, it was 20 years into their relationship. You can feel the part of her that never stopped desiring and the part of him that never stopped wanting his wife to have exactly what she wanted. Mm, thank you. You know, I'm reminded of the phrase, there are no atheists in the foxhole. And um, the recent scourge of, of uh, gun violence one of the accounting, one of the accounts of um, person who was in the the club in Colorado Springs said he he prayed more quickly than he's ever prayed in his life. So leaving theology aside, can God intervene in our prayers? Leaving that aside, because why am I leaving that aside? I care very much about theology as a reconstructionist rabbi, but there is an emotional compulsion, a need that humans have to pray when things are really hard. It's just a human act. It's a human need to transcend, to reach out, to express the deep, deep yearnings of the heart. As Rabbi Ingber says, our heart pre-prayer and our heart post-prayer are different hearts. There's a change. There's a chemical change. There's a physical change. It changes us. 
And what I love about this verse is it does challenge me as a reconstructionist to say, well, God isn't it, God is part of this too. Whether God can intervene in my life, not the point. Is there a response in 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 the God space for me and others when we pray? Yes, there is. And I love how the verb that Jacob used, that sorry, Isaac uses is the same verb that um, is attributed to God, only a slightly different verb form. So there is a mutuality here. Again, whatever your specific theologies are. Uh, I mean, Rabbi Ben. Sorry, Rabbi Charna, did you want to say? Uh, uh, Rabbi Ben first. Um, several things. Of course, that's so rich what you said. I have several things, but please, Rabbi Ben. Yeah. So I want to speak first to the similar thing to what you spoke about. Rabbi Shosh, which is the emotional experience of something that's so raw uh, as it was for Rebecca to experience infertility, especially in the ancient world when there, it was so important uh, for her to have offspring. Uh, and then the emotional experience of praying for somebody. Again, I'm very similar to Rabbi Shosh, I have a hard time with prayer. I'm much more of a meditator than a prayer. Uh, and for me, I've actually recently started to understand a little bit more the uh, benefit of prayer and the and the internal experience that's happening with prayer, uh, and and. It's very. It's actually pointed to in the verse itself, in as we've said several times, the the Hebrew root of his praying is the same as the Hebrew root of God's response. And there's this idea that within the prayer itself is the response. That the prayer itself, and there's actually even a Hasidic teaching that says the prayer itself is God that God itself is contained in the prayer. And, and the experience of prayer can actually be a very deep meditative experience where you're getting in touch with what that longing is, what that lack is. And in, in getting in touch with the lack, you're also getting in touch with with the response to the lack. And you might not always, it might not always turn out as it did for Rebecca in that she has a child, right? Or she has twins, but it might turn out that 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 you get what you need and not what you want. Mm. Um, but, but that doesn't diminish the power of prayer to transform you psychologically. Uh, and to help you deal with some of the stress, tension, and anxiety that you might be feeling. And it's a way of encountering the stress, tension, and anxiety that you feel uh, in your life without um, avoiding it, mm, right? Thank you. Well, we can, we can say now, we, we brought up something very interesting. Who is prayer for? Is it for the giver? Is it for the receiver? Is it about the outcome or is it about a process? Is prayer going towards some kind of um, manifest deity that can be a puppeteer in our lives? Or is prayer just, do we live our life as a prayer in that place of yearning? I 
want to talk a little bit about the mechanism of prayer that I think is embedded in our text. But I do want to speak as well to the scientific community who's done a lot of study on prayer in the last few decades. And we get into prayer brings us into the realm of that which cannot be rationally explained. Because we're talking about energies and we're talking about fields of, of the unseen and we're talking about emotions which can't be touched or measured, but whether or not we're aware of it rule our lives. So perhaps in part prayer is a way for us to get in touch with emotions that in our society can otherwise be buried under. Perhaps that prayer creates a space that didn't exist before for what we really think and feel can come through and emerge. There's something about prayer which creates an empty space for our desires that I think is very important. And there's something about that empty space that's embedded here within this text about Rivka's barrenness, about her inability to fill it with what she specifically wanted to fill it for. And the formula gets set up here that if for a long time you desire something and you feel the emptiness of this place, that you can gather up your deepest yearnings and fill it within that place. And we, it doesn't have to be a barren womb. The womb can be just that which we desire. And that how you create an entreating kind of effort to fill an empty space in order to fulfill what you most desire. Wow. And it's powerful that in the verse, if maybe you can specify, embedded in between the two prayer words, Vayatar, is akara, which is so similar in akara in meaning barren. Yeah. So the barrenness or the, the infertility of Rifka, that space that that can't produce, right? And it, we can read this literally, metaphorically, spiritually. Oh, we all must the, read it. All, we must read it literally. We must read it metaphorically. We must read it mystically if we want to get to all the treasures of the Torah. God forbid there should be one truth. And I think what I heard you say, I wish we had hours, is that that the fact that what we're translating as barrenness is embedded in between the prayer. It's like you're giving space for the emptiness itself to be seen and held that empty womb in a way that potential for creativity had to be surfaced in its fullness with all the emotion around it as rabbi ben implied all the societal at that time implications and now too um that that woman's worth and the family's connectedness to one another isaac and rebecca are truly one holding this prayer i know we're out of time almost but you know when you pray for someone not just about emptiness but anything, what does it mean when you say to someone who's deeply yearning that you're going to yearn with them on their behalf? What does that mean when you say, I'll be praying for you? What do you do? Do you actually do it? And if so, where, when, what, what is it about? Rabbi Ben, do you want to add it? And then Rabbi Charna will close. Um, yeah, I just want to talk about, I want to add the element of our society that we live in. And, and I'm sure this has existed throughout history that it's in some ways a lot easier to close ourselves off when things get hard and to uh, avoid the difficult emotions 
and to shut them down and to numb them out with alcohol or drugs or consumption of one thing or another, shopping, you know, uh, whatever, even spiritual bypassing, right? So, and this is not, I just want to make clear also, I don't think this process of prayer is the spiritual bypassing. It's actually being in touch with the deep, difficult emotion and feeling it for all of its difficulty and all of its pain and then letting and then letting the response emerge from there from that place of being raw from that place of being vulnerable with that difficult emotion um and and i think that's really the essence of what of what we're trying to get out today and not only is that important and poignant and perhaps that's the blessing we want to share with everybody today is the blessing of allowing yourself to feel your feelings, even when they're difficult, to allow yourself to sit in the territory of those difficult emotions. And perhaps that's exactly what Rivka and Yitzhak are exemplifying for us here, sitting deep inside of that. Um, Menachem Nachum of Chernobyl um, who wrote maybe around uh, you know, in the 18th century, he said that every patriarch, and I would add matriarch, had to lift something up that came to them through life's challenges. They opened up these channels teaching how to dig within themselves to become a spring of living waters, to cleave to the opening of that well and the root of their lives. Perhaps they shared for us this spiritual technology and because Toledot, we are their descendants, they are reaching across through time and space to remind us, let yourself feel, let yourself mourn, let yourself pray, let yourself be present with your deepest feelings and come from that place and put out into the world what that yearning is. May we all become masters of intercession for those we most love through the mechanism of feeling. I mean, see you next week. See you next week. I'll be praying for you. (laughs) (laughs) Bye bye.